Hello everybody, this is Coleman here, and you're listening to The Vinyl Voice. Voice. This is the podcast where I pick an album from my collection and then talk about it. And then in the next segment, I talk about vinyl as a whole and in today's world, which is like collecting, care, stuff like that. Uh, and then I talk about the vinyl countdown. Well, that's basically where I list a top 10, top 6 of different topics and stuff like that. And let's get right into it. Today we're talking about the Monkees album, Headquarters. This is their third album, released in 1967. And uh, whenever I talk about the Monkees, you're either in one or three groups. Uh, one being, oh heck yeah, the Monkees are the best, they got a bunch of great songs. Um, and then the second group is like, oh you mean that cheap value brand Beatles that was fake and they can't even play their own instruments? Or they're like, oh yeah, they have that one song, I'm a Believer, it's on the movie Shrek. Um, <laughs> Most of the people I talk to, they're in the third group. Uh, a few every now and then are snarky, and they're in the second group, and even probably fewer are in the first group. But the Monkees are probably my favorite group, or at least in the top three. It kind of, they never dip down below three, but sometimes I go back and forth depending on what I'm into. But yeah, we're talking about this album today just because I think it's really important for the group in their history as a band together. Um, if you don't know, the Monkees were based off of a TV show, or they were a TV show about a fake band, and ultimately they became a real band in real life. And that's kind of hard to understand, but if you've seen the TV show, you know, they, they play music and stuff like that, and it's about silly antics they kind of get into, and so nobody really ever took them seriously as a group, and then they came out with the album Headquarters, and they're like, whoa, you mean they played all their instruments on their albums? And it's not that they couldn't play their own instruments on their previous two, it's that their producer Chip, not Chip Douglas, their producer Don Kirshner wouldn't let them for some strange reason. And I don't want to get into all that debacle, but um, yeah, they took Chip Douglas from the Turtles and they, they got together, fired Don Kirshner, and they came out with their third album, Headquarters. And uh, I got the album here. Let's go through the song list. On side one, you got You Told Me. I'll Spend My Life With You, Forget That Girl, Band 6, You Just May Be The One, Shades Of Grey, I Can't Get Her Off My Mind. And side two, you got For Pete's Sake, Mr. Webster, Sunny Girlfriend, Zilch, No Time, Early Morning Blues and Greens, and Randy Skowskit. Skowskit's always really funny to say. It's probably one of my favorite songs, which we'll get into in a minute. Yeah, I like this album. Um... I think it's different from the rest of them just because they have so much freedom of expression. You know, since they produced it themselves, they could put whatever songs they wanted, whatever order they wanted. Uh, anybody could play whatever instruments. They they kind of had total freedom. Plus, kind of during this time, they all grew beards, which I thought was hilarious because the Beatles grew beards, and so everybody's trying to be like the Beatles. And so I was reading in a Tiger Beat magazine I have, everybody was kind of freaked out and a little bit gross that, like, Mike, Mickey, and Davey all had beards and Peter Torp did too kind of his looked kind of nasty if I'm being honest but I always thought like whenever they grew beards and then put it on the album cover that was so funny and then they ended up coming up with the second album cover that doesn't have as many beard pics on it I'm looking at mine and yeah I thought it had one on the back but I guess I was mistaken I, I think I have the second version that came out in 67 but yeah I thought the beards were funny on them um I like a lot of the songs on this album. Uh, 
it's hard to compare it to the rest of them because they, they have so many good songs in my opinion. But some of my favorite songs on here is uh, Sunny Girlfriend. And Sunny Girlfriend's funny because whenever I've had a girlfriend, I'd put it on in the car and they're not familiar with this song, of course. And so I'm like, ha, ah, this song's about you. And they're like, oh yeah, whatever, lol. And then if we ever break up <laughs> the next girlfriend I have, I'll play the song in the car and I'll be like, hey, this song's about you. <laughs> I don't know if they ever believe me or if they hear this here, they probably never will. But uh, that's beside the point. So uh, <laughs> another song I like on this album is Early Morning Blues and Greens. This is funny because whenever I was first starting getting to the Monkees, I didn't think to look them up on YouTube for some reason. And I just listened to their music whenever I heard it on their show on Sundays whenever I watched it. And this song was never on the TV show. And so I found the headquarters album on CD at Walmart. I was like, hey, it's the Monkees. And so I got it, and I was like, hmm, what's this song? And it kind of like has a bluesy, kind of laid-back, chill kind of vibe to it. So like, yeah, that's a good song. And uh, <laughs> another song is uh, Randy's Casket. Um, they play this one in the show. It has Mickey in the Rainbow Room, and he's just beating on this timpani drum. And that's how it starts. And I don't know, it just cracks me up. The whole, the whole thing just kind of cracks me up. So, uh... That song actually talks about the Beatles, too. It has a lyric that goes, For kings of EMI, sitting stately on the floor. Um, it's about a... I think that's that was the song that's about a party the Beatles threw for them. I'm pretty sure. I may be mistaken. But yeah, I love that song. So that kind of wraps up today's album. Alright. And now we're going to talk about why I collect vinyl and why I think you should, too. So, to start off, I think collecting vinyl is sort of like a time capsule um you know people used to bury time capsules and then you dig them up you know like well what's life like in 1982 uncle rico was throwing a pigskin over those mountains <laughs> but yeah that's kind of what time capsules about you kind of like jump into that zone you see what things were like what the people were wearing what the politics were doing so i feel like whenever i collect vinyl it's kind of the same thing uh, whenever I pick up a record at a antique shop, a vintage store, something like that, and something it's an album that I've been wanting, I think about the first time that that album was ever bought. Like, how old was the person who bought it? Who was the person that might have bought it? And they, depending on its condition, how much did they love that album? Or how badly did they treat it? So there's so many questions you have to answer whenever you pick up an album for the first time. Like, I know with that... Mom is in the Pampas, uh, if you can believe your eyes album, whenever I got it at that used game store, the condition of the record itself was awful. And kind of so was the outside. It was all um, faded out and kind of worn. So I don't know if the, the previous owners, owner or owners, like just straight up just threw it and let their cats crawl on it or whatever. But, you know, I don't know. Or maybe they just loved it to death and never quit playing it. And so it just kind of wore out over time. And I never know. And uh, especially with the groups I really, really like, like the Monkees, um, how many people, especially since they're so old too, like how many people sat down, threw this on the table and enjoyed it and listened to it over and over and over and over? Or how many people played it at parties and they go over to somebody's house and like, whoa, look at this new Monkees album. Isn't it fantastic? I heard this song on the TV show. And they, like, they share it with their friends and their friends go, whoa, no way, man. Like, just like you do with music now, it's, it's a little bit different when you can hit the three dots and just hit share and send it to somebody. Like, that's still cool, 
but it's not like, let me play this for you, you know? I guess it kind of has the same effect, like, in, when you're in the car, and you're kind of like, somebody else is being the DJ, and it's like, hey, hear the song? It's kind of like that, but at the same time, it's it's physical, you know? You can bring it, somebody else can hold it, look at it, and also, I think it's like, mem- I don't want to say it's like memorabilia, but it kind of is. If you really like a group, like, I like really like Queen as well. I will take a work, take a record, and it's like this is a piece of Queen that I can own myself. Like Brian May straight up played the guitar on this album just for me. Like this, he feel like he's playing directly to me because I have a physical thing from a group of people I really really enjoy. I don't know. It's it sounds kind of weird. <laughs> well, I really really like vinyl, so I feel like there's an emotional attachment to it as well. And so when I slightly drop it at half inch and it hits the table, not, not like from a great fall or anything, but I'm like, ah, you know, it's, I feel like a part of my soul has jumped out because I care about these little black discs so much. Or if I get a record I really like and then I found out that's warped, I feel like a part of me has you know, dented myself a little bit because I care so much about the people that I like to listen to. And it's a shame I can't really support them anymore because they don't have, those aren't new albums. But I feel like I can support their legacy by saying, hey, I have this piece that came out in 1968 and a lot of people got to enjoy it and now I can too. And now my kids can join it or whatever. Like I don't have kids yet, but my future kids can maybe enjoy it or some other people I can let somebody else borrow it and they can enjoy it too. It's just not the same as if you just click share on a video or click share on a Spotify song. It's To me, it's not exactly the same because you can't pick it up. It's not a physical thing. Yeah, that's really a part of the reason why I really, really like vinyl collecting is you can just step back and see what it was like and kind of visualize, you know, hey, what was going on? You know, if somebody came home and had a bad day, what album would they put on? You know, because... They had TV. It wasn't like you get on there and go to YouTube. Like, such and such, such and such. You know, <laughs> Fortnite gameplay. <laughs> you couldn't do that. So it's either whatever's on the three channels you had on TV, if you had a TV, or you just throw on some music. Maybe turn on the radio, but I don't know. I didn't really know what radio was like back in the back in the day. That would be kind of cool if somebody started a show that was just nothing but radio on this day on this station back in such and such. That'd be a good idea for a podcast. But anyway, we're getting sidetracked. Now it's time for the Vinyl Countdown. And for today's Vinyl Countdown, we've got the top five, not the, my top five favorite Beatles albums. So to start at number five is Magical Mystery Tour. And this is at my number five. And all these albums on this list are like songs I can listen to top from bottom and sing every song. And I love every song on these albums. And I feel like if I made a Greatest Hits playlist, it would be nothing but these five albums. Because every song is just so solid. And every album is just incredible from top to bottom. Um, I actually have this album in hard copy. We may talk about that in, that, we may talk about that in next week's episode. Um, I, why did I say hard copy? I have this... <laughs> I have an original capital pressing of this album. I just picked it up a few weeks ago, actually. Yeah, I like this uh, album. It's got Strawberry Fields Forevers, which is one of my all-time favorite songs. Um, I think Penny Lane's a little bit overrated. But Full on the Hill is really, really good. 
and the walrus is pretty much iconic yeah well it's not like the songs are great but they're not like my number one you know that's why it's at my number five so to move on for number four we have with the beatles they have that song till there was you i love that song it's on the musical the music man and whenever i watched the music man i was like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. the beatles did this song too and I, then I found out, you know, the Beatles didn't write this song. Somebody else wrote the song, and they just did a cover of it. And then I found out the Beatles did a whole lot of covers. <laughs> and I was like, well, what the heck? Are they even all that good? Um, <laughs> well, the answer is yes, they are really good. They have It Won't Be Long. That's another one of my favorite songs in All My Loving. Total bops. I have this whole, whole album downloaded, I noticed, on my phone. And I'm just so used to it. You playing it and hearing on my playlist, I just forget that a lot of the great songs are on here, like uh, Please Mr. Postman, Roll Over Beethoven, all that stuff with the Beatles. And I have an album like this, it's called Meet the Beatles, it's kind of like an American version or whatever, kind of like a compilation album, but also kind of not really, it's a little bit weird. But yeah, I really like that album, it's number four. Now I'm going to move on to number three, it's kind of like my medium, medium-ish favorite album, this is Hard Day's Night. Starting track, obviously, A Hard Day's Night, pretty solid. If I Fell is probably my one of my top favorite Beatles songs. It's just so emotional, and it's kind of upbeat, too. But it, it's also like kind of minor, so it's got a bunch of things all wrapped up in one. Um, t- um, I'm Happy Just to Dance With You, it's a great song. I actually play that in the store where I work, so I get to jam out to a lot of these songs all the time. But uh, yeah, that's uh, Hard Day's Night. It's number three. Number two is Sgt. Pepper's. Everybody knows this album. Um, it's got the LSD song, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Yeah, great song. Um, I have this album too. I have an Apple version of it. When I'm 64 is probably one of my favorite songs on this album. Just because I saw a Beatles tribute band one time. And my sister got to play the clarinet solo in a trio. So that was really cool. Watch that happen. Day in the Life is a good song, obviously, to kind of wrap up the whole album. Um, Getting Better is very motivational. I like the. I was thinking about the Cat in the Hat movie with Mike Myers. They always play that at the very end. Um, which I kind of think they should have played Fixing a Hole because they do fix holes in the house. But, you know, that's beside the point. Let's move on to number one. Number one for me is Rubber Soul. Uh, top to bottom, there is not a bad song on this album. There's maybe like one or two I'm not as familiar with, like what goes on in the word, but I know every other song on here, and it is fantastic. I can sing every word of every song, uh, starting out with Drive My Car, Norwegian Wood, You Won't See Me, and I feel like if whenever I think the Beatles sound, my mind automatically goes to Rubber Soul, like all the time. Like, you want to hear the Beatles, what's the best, I don't know if this is like considered maybe the best Beatles album, probably not. It just has so many great songs. Basically, the whole thing is a greatest hits album. Yeah, that is the vinyl countdown for my top five for today's episode. And if you like what you heard today, please be sure to hit that follow button, subscribe button. I don't know what all the platforms say. But if you like what you heard, let me know somewhere on the internet. And hopefully, you'll hear me in the next one. See you later.